Hi, this is Sean Perrin, and you're listening to episode 28 of the Clarinet Podcast, the show where I discuss all that's neat and new with clarinet with the neatest people in the industry. Today's episode was brought to you by Dedario Woodwinds. Before we get started with the ad, I just want to say that the, I had the chance to actually meet the Dedario team, or some of them, most of them, at uh, Clarinet Fest this year, and what a great group of people. It was such a, we had such fun, and uh, they were so generous as to allow a bit of space at their table for me to actually put Clarinet pamphlets. So a lot of people uh, picked those up, and I hope that they are now discovering the podcast. If you're a new listener, um, I'd really appreciate it, actually, if you would introduce yourself. Go to the Facebook page. There's a Clarinet official public group now where you can discuss things. And uh, just let us know who you are, what you do, and uh, you're in good company. There's a lot of great people following this show, and uh, I do hope that you enjoy it. If you have any feedback, please send an email along to feedback at clarinet.com. Also, if this is your first episode and you want to make sure that you get other episodes, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, and that way they'll immediately arrive in your right on your phone or your tablet or your computer or whatever you use to listen to this show. Anyways, let's get started here. But before we do that, just a short message from Dedaria Woodwinds. Sanding, shaping, balancing. For centuries, mastering your instrument meant mastering these crafts too. But now, Dedario is refining craftsmanship for the 21st century by refining their reeds and mouthpieces with the world's most innovative techniques. So you can spend less time sanding, shaping, and balancing, and more time perfecting your own craft. To learn more about the new era of craftsmanship from Dedario Woodwinds, visit Dedario.com slash woodwinds. So here I am back from Clarinet Fest 2016. I wish I could say I'm rested and refreshed from the trip, but it was actually extremely busy. And uh, it was, a, although it was a lot of fun, man, it was also a lot of uh, a lot of work, a lot of listening, a lot of shopping, all sorts of things. So anyways, I'm going to talk about some of the great experiences I had there. And most of all, I really want to impress upon you why I think it's important that everyone go uh, to this festival that plays clarinet, that's interested in clarinet, that is interested in pursuing a career in clarinet. And uh, the same thing goes actually and should be said that you really should join the International Clarinet Association. They do put out a fantastic journal, I believe four times a year. They have some other perks from being a member, including instrument insurance that you can get access to. And the networking opportunities that are provided by these kind of festivals are just, you know, fantastic. There's nothing else really like it. So I highly recommend that. I'll put some links on the show notes to Clarinet Fest. Just to be, just so you're aware, this 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 post, this episode, this blog or whatever is not affiliated with Clarinet Fest at all. I'm just giving it the good word because it's something there for most clarinet players and, uh, I think it's something that, you know, most people should be interested in, but I'm not endorsed by them in, in any way, just to make that clear. Anyway, so the arrival at Clarinet Fest, I arrived in Kansas on Tuesday in the early afternoon. It had been a super sort of long flight. I came from Montreal, went through Toronto. My flight was delayed. Thank God. I almost missed my connection. I don't know why the airlines do that. They put like 35 minutes between your plane and you're scrambling through the airport running at about a thousand miles an hour with all your clarinets and stuff. Anyways, it was not fun. But uh, yeah, I got there and then I did discover, unfortunately, that my my planning had not been pristine. I expected it to be a little easier to get to from the airport, but it was not really like that at all. So I ended up carpooling with a friend down there and we I had to wait a couple hours for him to come in, but uh, it worked out okay. I got there. It's about a 45-minute drive, 60 kilometers. What is that? About 35 miles from the airport. Anyways, so yeah, it was it was 
a bit of a trek down there. Um, but the first thing I did was I showed up and I went straight to a volunteering meeting, which is where we learned about how that was going to be working. I was volunteering at this year's festival. And if you're a student, actually, I just let me say something about that real quick. What a great way to meet people right off the bat. You show up and the first thing you do is you meet like 50 other people and it sort of gets you into the experience immediately. Another benefit of that was they actually, and I don't know if they'll do this next year, so uh, maybe call and confirm first, but they actually cover your festival fee if you do that. You put in 10, 15 hours of work over the course of the festival, get to meet some great people, get something great to put on your resume, and as a perk, you get your festival fee covered. And you got a, I think I got a t-shirt as part of it too. So yeah, all around good things. Um, I don't know, honestly, if I could do it next year, just because my goal was, you know, to try and interview and talk to people and meet people. And I, I just, it was pretty crammed for time as it is, as it was, but uh, maybe I will. We'll have to think about it and see. But um, yeah, if you're a student, this is, you know, that's a great opportunity. I, I highly, highly recommend doing that for sure. So yeah, I mentioned we were stuffing the goodie bag. Um, basically, what that was is we there was tons of pamphlets. If you came to the festival, you received this bag, a big blue bag, tons of different pamphlets in there. There was some advertisements and uh, coupons from like Diderio, Buffet, Van Doren. Um, Bakun actually put together a really amazing magazine that features a lot of their artists. Um, Ricardo Morales is an article with him in there. Uh, ben Lulich, who is with the Seattle Symphony. Um, Eddie Daniels is in there as well. There's just a whole bunch. It's like a treasure trove of information, and it's really professionally done. So make sure you go ahead and check that out if you have access to it. Um, maybe Bakun will somehow provide that online. Maybe you can buy it through their website. I don't know, but uh, I'll ask them when I'm there next week, I guess. But no, some really cool stuff in there. Also, uh, Bakun put a little, you got a little like keychain clarinet bell thing, which is pretty neat. And uh, a couple other things in in the grab bag there. The program it was one of the things actually in there. And uh, if this was your first clarinet fest, you'd be really shocked to find that it's about three quarters of an inch thick. And it's mostly concert programs for the next four days. So you get there, it's, you know, maybe 830 in the morning, you open up your bag and you're like, wow, there's like <laughs> 200 pieces being performed or maybe more. There, there was just tons of stuff. And... The way they get through it all, and you might be wondering, well, how do you watch so many pieces in, a, in four days? And the answer is, unfortunately, that you don't. I mean, even if you were the most keen person there, there's simply no way to get to every single concert because they happen uh, in three or four venues at once all around, and they actually are overlapping a little bit. So it's not really, I don't know if it's really a bad thing. It's just the way that it is. Like you've got to kind of plan and choose what you want to see. And then you you go and see it. Um, the evening concerts are different. There's only ever one kind of like, I don't know, I'd call it like a headlining sort of concert. Um, and those are always just by themselves. But throughout the day, 8 to 5, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. is all concerts. It's concerts the whole day. And it's concerts at three or four places at once. And you've got to try and eat lunch and you've got to try and check out the exhibits if that's something you're into. And my God, why wouldn't you be? There's like, I think there was five or six rooms full of exhibits. I'll get to that in a second. Um, but all these concerts, and there's not only the concerts, actually, there's also seminars, lectures going on at the same time. So one tip I would suggest is grab a highlighter when you first get there, grab yourself a cup of coffee, go sit down and find out what you want to go to. Make sure you're going to get to go to what you want to see, what you want to do, and sort of plan your timetable 
out like that because otherwise you're going to be a little overwhelmed and you're going to sort of get thrown into all this stuff at once. But uh, so grab a highlighter, go through your booklet, figure out your exact schedule. So the volunteering actually led to a couple of really interesting opportunities. Um, although it did take up, you know, a fair chunk of time, I was put into, uh, I was a lecture monitor for Matthias Mueller, um, who has an invention called the Sabre, or Sabre, sorry, it's uh, capital S-A-B, lowercase R-E. And off the top of my head, I've actually, it slipped my mind what that means. But basically, it is a electronic addition to the bass clarinet that he adds on there. Really amazing effects can kind of be done with this. I'm going to leave it for a later interview because I got in touch with him and he is going to be actually showing me how that works on the podcast. Um, but also, as far as the performances go, I got to see him play his amazing instrument, Eddie Daniels, uh, Ben Lulich, Ricardo Morales, Michael Lowenstern, um, many, many more people. It's, it's actually unbelievable how many people I saw and the artists that were there were just of an incredible caliber. And uh, oh, David Schifrin, of course, he, he played as well. And um, wow, I, I honestly can't say enough about the performances that were that were there over the days. It was just absolutely amazing. So who did I meet at the festival? And you might be thinking, well, who did I interview at the festival? And I kind of want to explain that real quick, just because I feel it would be a disservice if I don't. In the last episode, I mentioned that one of my goals for going to the festival at all is, as a podcast host now and with this blog was I wanted to try and conduct interviews on location. And I have to say, I, I set a personal goal of, of 10 interviews, um, although I don't know if I actually announced that last time. But anyways, once I got there, I realized, wow, there, there's so much going on. For every hour that I take out of my schedule to interview someone, I'm going to miss a performance. I'm going to miss uh, a chance to go check something out at the exhibit hall. I, I'm going to miss lunch. <laughs> I'm going to miss a networking opportunity. So I just sort of started thinking about it. And I also realized that the interviews I was going to conduct on location may not be of the quality that I anyway had come to expect. Um, I, I wanted to be able to really get in, in depth with conversation with these people. And I normally like to do quite a bit of research before going on air, formulating great questions, asking the audience for questions. And all these things came to mind and I was like, you know what, I think what would be better is to try and network as much as possible, meet as many people as possible and connect after the festival. Not only will I be in a more relaxed state with a better interview um, at the end of it, but the, the artists and the manufacturers are going to be so much more relaxed, especially for the exhibitors. I mean, it's not really fair for for them to take an hour out of their day when they're there to sell stuff and help customers to, to talk to to the podcast as, as cool as it also is, I suppose. So anyways, I hope you're, no one's disappointed about that. It's actually going to result in a whole lot more content, better content that I hope you'll uh, enjoy. Some of the people that I did meet, and these are in no way confirmed yet, but this is uh, the people that I, some of the people that I did talk to and have expressed interest in coming on the show. Um, I talked to uh, Eddie Daniels, Ricardo Morales, Michael Lonestern, Wes Rice of, uh, they've got some barrels and actually they gave me some really great products I can't wait to review and talk about, including a metal product that's made by a local metal artist. Anyways, Ubel Clarinets, um, Bradford Bain, Clark Phobes, uh, RZ Clarinets, I believe it was called, and uh, just, just uh, Bakun, obviously, other great companies there. So 
yeah, I, there's at least 10, 15, maybe even 20 people that are have expressed interest in coming on the show from, oh, Thomas Piercy um, that I met down there. And just fantastic networking opportunities, fantastic conversation. Um, really, I think this is the best way to go about it. Of course, I also had the chance to meet with Ryan Pereira, who was featured on episode one of the podcast. Um, in Montreal, I saw Laurie Friedman, who I think was episode five. Actually, when I got back in Calgary, I met up with Catherine Ladano, who I think was episode four. Um, also, Eric Salazar, of course. I stayed with him at the dorms, and we had a great time and actually did a live thing, which I'll talk about in a minute. But um, no, I think that of the 25 episodes, I, I met about five or six people down there at the festival, which was just super cool. So anyways, as far as products, that's some of the artists I'm going to be reviewing and, and people I'm going to be talking to. But I also got given some products to review. Um, I just mentioned a little bit of stuff from West Rice. Well, a lot of stuff, sorry, from West Rice. I've got a barrel, a bell, another barrel. Actually, I've got three barrels and a bell to review by them. Really nice products. I can't wait to get into that. And uh, I got something called a, a reed booster, and this is kind of a strange product I didn't expect, but um, I don't know. I'll share some thoughts about that. Also, some synthetic reeds uh, that I got given, and I'm in talks with Ubel to review their clarinets, which is going to be pretty cool, actually. Look forward to that, and a few other things. So, yeah, met up with some great, great people, great exhibits, and um, just great performances. One more thing about the exhibits before I move on is that this is probably the ultimate place to check out gear. If if you're in the market for something new for the clarinet, a mouthpiece, uh, I don't know, a neck strap, a carbon fiber bell I saw, all sorts of things like that, this is really the best place. You know, even a new instrument, I don't know of any place that you can try out so many clarinets by so many different brands in such a short span of time for such little money. I mean... Let's say normally you wanted to try 10 clarinets from five different manufacturers. You're going to be spending months waiting around for those to ship. You're going to be spending a lot of money shipping them back and forth. It's going to be a lot of stress. But here you can go and everything is just steps away. It's actually, it's incredible. Such a great opportunity. That being said, um, the one disadvantage about all that is that it's pretty loud because obviously everyone's testing equipment. So... Yeah, I don't know. It might be one of those things where I don't. Maybe you decide when you go back what exactly you wanted to order after you've had a chance to think about it. But maybe I think you can find a little bit of isolation there and really get to know what you want and the kind of instrument that you are pursuing or the product or whatever. Great deals to be had too. I should mention a lot of people put on some sort of special pricing and coupons, and it was great. So, yeah, that's the exhibits. Um, again, you're gonna want to schedule some time for the exhibits you're going to want to go okay this is an hour or two hours or three hour block that i'm going to set aside just for this and go check some stuff out so yeah i should mention something else about the dorms um especially for students i i did stay in the dorms and i don't know that it was the most wonderful accommodation it was you know a dorm <laughs> it wasn't a hotel but you know what it was actually great because it was super affordable i think it was like 20 bucks a night and you know it was five minutes walk away from everything and the best part was i was rooming with eric salazar and we we had some great conversation and uh had a lot of fun so great great time of course if you do want some more uh upscale private accommodation i think they generally offer 
some things along the lines of a hotel. Uh, there was, I think, three hotels with this festival. And the one that was I actually went and visited was called the Oread. And we had dinner there a couple nights and uh, a little bit of an after party type thing. And uh, the after parties were in sort of a um, like an event hall at this hotel. And wow, this is actually one of the nicest hotels I've I've seen. It was just gorgeous, sort of looked like sandstone or something all over the place. And um, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty nice events, pretty nice things, pretty cool stuff going on. Uh, oh, one highlight actually from the events was being able to drink the wine that is actually made by the Van Doren family in France. So that was kind of cool. I didn't know that, but they actually have a winery. So <laughs> that's kind of neat. Anyway, so let's talk about in closing here. Th- that's some of my experiences. That's what I did. Um, in closing, I just want to ask, well, what did you think? What did you do? Um, I'm assuming a lot of people who are listening actually went to the festival. And I'm really interested in what was your experience like? What did you do? So post in the comments below and let me know what your Clarinet Fest was like. And my last words about the whole festival actually are how important I think, you can tell I've been talking nonstop at about a mile a minute for you know close to 20 minutes now. And I don't even feel like I really scratched the surface on all the things that I did, to be honest. Um, but if you're a student, like, this is a no-brainer. you got to find a way to get down there. I mean, we're talking, it was 20 bucks a night to stay in the dorms, and you can get your, your costs covered by volunteering. Um, you know, I don't think there's a better investment possible in your education and clarinet career, really. Almost at any stage. I mean, it'd be, it'd be pretty, you'd be pretty hard-pressed to justify not going. Let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, that's my thoughts on it. It was just a fantastic time. And, uh, oh, I, I almost forgot. Eric Salazar and I recorded a 30 minute, I believe, conversation where we actually were live at Clarinet Fest. So I'm going to link to that in the show notes. Uh, you can check that out. We had a nice talk and then Eric actually led a live improvisation session, which was really fun. And, uh, two guests joined us who happened to be in the lobby at the time, and they came over and uh, checked it out. So thanks so much to Amy and Megan, who uh, who joined us in that, uh, that conversation. So uh, that's all I've got for today. I really hope that this was uh, providing some sort of value as far as what it's like to go to a clarinet fest. If you have any more questions about it, I'd be happy to answer them, uh, like I said, in the comments. And please do share your thoughts, your experiences below as well. Thanks so much for listening to the Clarinet Podcast, and I look forward to seeing you next episode, which is going to be airing here very shortly, because like I did say, I've been away a bit, and uh, I'm going to try and get all four episodes out in the next two weeks. So the next episode is going to be Michael Dean of the Clarinet Mike blog. Thanks so much for listening to the Clarinet Podcast, and I will see you next time. This episode was brought to you by Daddario Woodwinds. Sanding, shaping, balancing. For centuries, mastering your instrument meant mastering these crafts too. But now, D'Addario is refining craftsmanship for the 21st century by refining their reeds and mouthpieces with the world's most innovative techniques. So you can spend less time sanding, shaping, and balancing, and more time perfecting your own craft. To learn more about the new era of craftsmanship from D'Addario Woodwinds, visit daddario.com woodwinds.